0: BetMGM MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: Hello everybody. My name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Today we're going to be talking about Seacoast Church, we're going to be exposing this liberal mega church that has an outstretched influence on American politics in that it is the church of Tim Scott and Nancy Mace, two politicians from South Carolina. Tim Scott is running for president of the United States. He is one of the more serious candidates, and he is courting evangelicals. And I got to think that him going to a liberal megachurch will negatively impact his ability to court evangelicals. We're going to be exposing the liberal megachurch that is Seacoast Church, located in South Carolina, has about 14 locations and at home. And this was a request that I got in the comments section after last week when we reported that Nancy Mace, uh, the congresswoman in South Carolina, boasted about fornicating at the South Carolina prayer breakfast. So she boasted about fornicating. Her pastor appears to have no problems with that and took it as a joke. And, you know, she went to church for two services this Sunday. And what type of service did she go to? Well, we do have the answers to that, actually. But first, I want to let you know, Evangelical Dark Web is a Christian news gathering and commentary ministry. You can support us over at EvangelicalDarkWeb.org slash join. That is linked in the description below. That is our Patreon-like system that you can support us at. Otherwise, you can help us out by liking this video, subscribing to the channel if you are new. That is the best thing for those magical algorithms or podcasts. Subscribe to the podcast if you're new as well. Can't forget you audio listeners out there. And check out that free Evangelical Dark Web newsletter linked in the description below. Gives you Christian news in your inbox each and every day. Or you can do Telegram largely the same as that as well. So, anyway, let's dive into this story. I do have an article that we're going to be using, the article that I wrote with my research on it, and it's Seacoast uh, Church Exposed, the liberal megachurch of Tim Scott, Nancy Mace. Uh, Seacoast Church is the church of the aforementioned politicians who brag about a uh, fornicating at a prayer breakfast. That was Nancy Mace, not Tim Scott, by the way. Uh, and is a also the Church of the Strangely Unmarried Senator Tim Scott, who is running for President of the United States. Tim Scott has had some success courting evangelicals, despite being a Black Lives Matter Republican. Because that's who Tim Scott is. He's Black Lives Matter if it were a Republican. The two politicians attend a, mega church, or a multi-campus megachurch in South Carolina that is a proud member of the Association of Related Churches, or ARC. ARC is a, the church growth organization of Chris Hodges a, of uh, Church of the Highlands in Alabama. This is one of the largest churches in the country. ARC is one of the largest church growth uh, organizations in the country. Huge organization. A lot of tentacles. We talked about uh, ARC last week. I think it was last week. When we talked about Stovall Weems and his lawsuit where he's suing ARC. So... A lot of ARC stuff in the news. We'll also talk about Chris Hodges later this week, I believe. We got an article in the queue on Chris Hodges as well. So, lots to talk about with ARC. And this is just one of them. And Seacoast, uh, like many ARC churches, Seacoast has female pastors. Which makes it, you know, which which automatically makes anything that we're about to say, unsurprising. It will be unsurprising that they have a partial affirmation of homosexuality. it would also be unsurprising that they're not very pro-life. They're very weak on both those issues, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, So they do have female pastors. None of them are designated teaching pastors or campus pastors as far as their website's concerned. But they do dish out the uh, term pastor. It would get them this fellowship from the Southern Baptist Convention if you want to uh, throw a Rick Warren reference out there. So what we're about to talk about is unsurprising. So Greg Surrett is the founding pastor of Seacoast Church, while his son, Josh Surret is the lead pastor. This is a megachurch with 14 franchises in South Carolina. One of their advertised locations is At Home, where they even advise people on how to practice communion apart from the body of Christ. See, this is why you can't really practice communion at home, because you're not actually with, you're not physically present with the body of Christ, so it doesn't make sense to practice communion at home. But, you know, it's on their website, is one of the things that they teach you how to do, and they also say, hey, get some candles and stuff like that. Um, so it's a weird church. It gets weirder. Seacoast has, deser- Seacoast has devoted its four most recent sermons... On mere podcasts talking about movies. The movies being King Richard Sing 2. Jesus Revolution. And Top Gun Maverick. Now. I don't know how many times I would have to beat my head in. To sit through a podcast. Not even a real sermon. It is a podcast. that you go to church and you watch a podcast on two dudes. Talking about Sing 2. Like. I, I would beat my head in. If I had to listen to that. But apparently a lot of people in 14 locations did just that. That is insane. Uh, Jesus Revolution was the most recent one. So when Nancy Mace went to church this Sunday. She didn't hear a sermon. She listened to a podcast about the movie Jesus Revolution. Which I did a review on. You should check that out. That is the medium that this type of thing should be talked about in the church. Not a church service. You shouldn't be doing a uh, podcast on a movie in a church service. So let's just touch on this issue. Broadly speaking, this is a larger issue going on with mega churches all over the country where they are doing at the movies, which is this trendy thing. I believe Craig Rochelle at life.church started this trend and naturally a lot of other churches, saddlebacks in on it, uh Seaco's being in on it, but they're kind of lame about it. Like they do at the whole, at the movies things, but Although they do it for four they've done it for four weeks straight. Which I don't know if all these other mega churches are doing it four weeks straight. But the other mega churches that you're seeing online, they're going much harder. You got Life Church in Colorado basically building, you know, a galaxy's edge uh theme park inside their campus. And then you got Seacoast just doing a podcast. So they, they did a very lame job at trying to get in on this megachurch cringe. So I just got to call them out for that nonsense. So let's get to some more uh, issues. So obviously we got the megachurch cringe. Uh, so affirmation of homosexual attraction, which I'm going to frame this as partial affir- partial affirming church. This is a partially affirming church on the issue of homosexuality. Like a lot of effeminate churches, Seacoast feels the need to apologize for the church's treatment of homosexuals, and that's how Pastor Josh Surrett, uh begins to tackle this question in his sermon on sexuality given in September 2021, so this would have been w- while Nancy Mace was a member of the church, presumably. Uh, Surrett rejects the categorization of affirming and, or not affirming because he knows himself and that God is not affirming of all his behaviors. It's worth noting that the affirming refers to the behavior and identity of homosexuality, not the person. He instead views this as a debate between the historical perspective and the progressive perspective. Josh Surratt then goes on to affirm that same-sex attraction is not a sin, arguing that people are born gay. Surratt cites uh, Romans 1 and speaks to the historical uh, perspective uh, which speaks to the historical perspective. Let's actually watch this clip. This is not a good clip, but uh for uh Surat, I think it's very cringe because you, you you just read Romans one and then you ignored what Romans one says.
2: And if you know Seacos, uh if you've been around very long, you know that we would adhere to the historical interpretation of God's word. And 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 so what what I would say to you, I'm gonna read a couple of scriptures and, and I, I don't think God needs me to speak for him. I'm going to let his word speak for itself just in terms of what does God's word say about this? And I chose uh, there are about six or eight that I could have chosen. I didn't put them all on here because I don't want anybody to feel like I'm trying to beat you up with it. I chose Romans uh, chapter one, and I did that because it addresses both women and men in same sex relationships. And here's what it says. It says, therefore, God gave them over in the simple desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped and served creative things, created things rather than creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Second Corinthians six, the verse that we started with earlier, it talks about forbidding men having sex with men. There's several instances in scripture where the Bible talks about that as not God's best and not God's design. Not only that, you don't see any examples in scripture of God holding up same sex relationships as an example, as something that, 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 that we should look from. And, and so I would say, based on the Old Testament and the New Testament, that, that same sex behavior would fall into the category of sexual immorality. I didn't say a same sex attraction. I realize in my conversations that there are a lot of people you'd, you'd have a hard time arguing that they weren't born with some kind of uh, proclivity to be attracted to the same sex. I have friends that, that, that they would never have chosen that. They've tried to pray it away. And I'm not saying that that temptation is sin, but I'm saying acting on it would fit into that category of sexual immorality. Now, if you agree with that, before we get on our our high horse, I want to continue reading in Romans.
1: So as you can see, some pressing issues in that uh, little clip there. There's a lot more issues where that sermon's concerned, but I just wanted to highlight you know, him saying that's, Same sex attraction, homosexual attraction is not a sin, which is not a biblical, uh, which is not a biblical understanding of the issue. And he read Romans one. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. That's attraction. Uh, And then later in the verse, in verse 27 says burned in their desire towards one another. That's talking about attraction and desire. These things are sins in and of themselves. Romans 1 treats it as such. And yet, you know, he's trying to say, hey, people are born gay, therefore it's not a sin. Well, again, uh, even if that were true, we're born with original sin. So we're born sinful and we're born in need of a savior. We're in need of a savior because of original sin alone. And then there's the actual sin that we commit. So... The original sin alone is what gives us separation from God, and I think the, these sins that we actually commit are the sins that we get punished for, I would say. I think the eternal separation and the degrees of punishment that you receive in hell is definitely according to the sins that you commit in, their, in the severity of their offense to God. There is a hierarchy of sin. You see that in Scripture that you know little sins lead to big sins because there's a hierarchy. All sin is bad, but there's... There is a hierarchy in each sin's offense to God, um, so this is just a basic biblical principle, but is not one that you would understand from that sermon. Surat then argues that you know homosexuality is always presented in a list of other sins in the Bible and is therefore not worse than any other sin. So he kind of does the whole leveling of sins, which again is not a biblical understanding of the issue. Surat argues essentially that all sins are equal. However, we see in the Old Testament that homosexuality is mentioned when Israel got really bad. And it's, associate, and it's associated with the worst kings. Like, again, like I believe it's one generation after Solomon, with uh, Rehoboam and Jeroboam kind of splitting the kingdom, that this stuff creeps right back in, and then the next king's got to get rid of all this stuff. So, it is associated with the worst kings in Israel. And then he does point out, and I do give him some credit for making the argument, an argument that I've made, that there's no positive example. But again, uh, this, this was weak sauce. This was weak sauce. But there, it, it gets worse. So, moreover, in the resources on this topic, Seacoast Church recommends Preston Sprinkle, who is openly side B in his theology. So this side B theology, side B the... Theology says that homosexual actions are bad, but homosexual orientation, and, which is identity, so homosexual identity and desires are compatible with the Christian life. It does not view homosexual concupiscence as sin. Concupiscence is a fancy word for lust, and it is a sin. So when Seacoast Church talks about affirming the historical teachings of Christianity, they're not because they don't believe they don't have a historical view of concupiscence. So they don't have that. They're not a his, they're not historical on this issue. They're halfway. They're side B, not quite side a, which is a shorthand for acceptance, but side B, uh, which is what Preston Sprinkle teaches and believes he's done the revoice conference. I believe he's had a pre-conference at the revoice conference as well. So, Preston Sprinkle, side B theologian. It's plainly written on his website at the Center for uh, Faith, Sexuality, and Gender. Very side B. Does not believe that homosexual identity is sinful. Does not believe that homosexual attraction is sinful. So, these things are all sin. And they're incompatible with the Christian walk. They just are. And people need to be urged to repent. But Josh Surrett does not want to offend his audience. So, let's talk about the abortion issue. Uh, this was another sermon that he gave also in 2021 i believe it's uh in the same sermon series as the one on uh the homosexual issue so greg surrett gave the 2021 sermon that condemned the texas abortion law which held a which had a private enforcement mechanism on an abortion restriction so my guess is that's what he was condemning so he was not a fan of uh, the private enforcement mechanism, which is a genius uh, stroke of mastery when it comes to lawmaking, is you empower uh, people to enforce the law through civil courts rather than bogging down the police. It it is a genius thing. Private, I'm all for private enforcement mechanisms because um, that's also how you combat the woke stuff in schools and all that stuff. Private enforcement mechanisms. So. That's what that was. He doesn't say why he condemns the Texas law or say what it was. This is just me editorializing on what it was and why he's condemning it. Uh, Surit pay- portrays the pro-abortion advocates as not saying abortion is a public good. So let's talk about that. That is wrong. That is a bold-faced lie. These people love abortion. They believe it is a pr- public good. Um, a large percentage of abortions are repeat offenders. Uh, so you got some women that are serial killers. A serial killer is someone who kills uh, three or more people with a resting period in between each kill. That, is, that, I believe, is the official definition of a serial killer. So they have, uh, you know, the abortion industry largely reliant on these serial killers. Uh, these people view abortion as a public good. That's why they're serial killing babies. So it, it, is a, it is nonsense, because if it weren't a public good, then they'd be all for banning it. If you're not for banning it, then you think it's a public good. Then you think it's a necessary evil in society, a public good. So, bad argument, uh, not a biblical argument whatsoever. People do not sin with good intentions, they sin with evil intentions. And that's true with this sin as well, the sin of bur- uh, baby murder. So everyone that you run into, here's a quote from it. Uh, from the sermon so this is a sermon on abortion and here's a quote frankly it doesn't have a good uh, 30 seconds after and a 30 seconds before that kind of lend context to it unfortunately it's because it's after a long-winded story which he gives a lot of Um, and he says this everyone that you run into today is loved by God and is somewhere in the process of his redemption this is only true uh, so that's the quote and that's only true if you're universalist in your theology on both counts. So, the idea that everyone that you meet is in the process is in God in the process of God's redemption for them, that's universalist. Because some people are not in that process. Some people are in that process. We don't know the answer to this. We don't have the secret knowledge of God to know who is saved and who is not saved. But not, And for that reason, we know that this isn't true. We know that some people go to hell. They're not in God's process of redemption. They're going to hell. The unrepentant abortionist is not in God's plan of redemption. They're going to hell. The unrepentant um, politician that supports abortion is not in God's plan of redemption. They're going to hell. So, these things don't mesh with uh, these facts, don't mesh with uh, Greg Surratt's theology and teaching. It's universalist. So, that's a major red flag on him. But I I think we have a lot of uh, evidence to say that this is a not legitimate church. Again, if you're doing the whole at the movies thing, glaring red sign that is not a real church. So Surratt doesn't seem to think that criminalizing abortion is is the preeminent solution to the problem instead uh, instead of advocating welfare-type policies. So he wants to say, oh, let's just do all of the above. We shouldn't argue on strategy. We're all on the same side. And it's just a nonsense thing. And then he concludes his uh, sermon on abortion, tone policing the pro-life movement. So it's all about... You know, we got to tone police, uh, don't stand outside of uh, street corners saying, you know, repent, uh, abortion mills and saying repent. He goes after some random street preacher he encountered in Las Vegas and a long winded story. Uh, Not very good teaching. So what are the conclusions from this? So Seacoast Church is a proud member of ARC, a church growth organization, and it's no surprise that they have a watered down message, if one at all. It's no surprise that this is the type of church that produces vacuous politicians like Tim Scott and demonic politicians like Nancy Mace, who claim to represent conservative values and vote for homosexual marriage. So Nancy Mace is pro-homosexuality and not pro-life. She is very weak on that issue. You can well-documented history of her being weak on that issue. She's a demonic politician. Tim Scott is vacuous, like he's the Kamala Harris of the Republican Party, but without the slut energy. Like, I don't get those vibes from him, but he is very vacuous, very vague, and there's nothing really there, uh, if we're being honest. So, what conclusion? When Donald Trump appointed Neil Gorsuch, it was a major red flag that he attended an Episcopalian church which reflected in his decisions on the transvestite issue on, tr- on the transvestite issues. Likewise, Tim Scott running for president, him attending a liberal mega church is a major red flag for his candidacy. Major red flag. So those are some final thoughts. This was us as exposing Seacoast church by popular demand in the comment section on our last uh, video covering this topic. So, Thank you very much for listening this long. Don't forget to like and subscribe on your way out. Have a blessed day and we will catch you on the next one.